right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am your host, Matt Cox, joined by Jim Root, Kai McKeon, the triumvirate that is the three-man weave crew. Every Wednesday morning, we are here in your podcast feed, dropping a new BBOC episode. College hoops is the topic, pouncing on all the non-con soft lines. We will continue to go through what looks ahead at the upcoming week, precluding the Turkey Week Bonanza next week. So lots of good neutral site stuff to get into. Power, mid, low major. There's no area that we focus or shun. It's all fair game. We will cover the league from soup to nuts as our friend John Rossing. What am I doing? Friend. Yeah, definitely. He's our friend. I agree. That's You're right. He, he definitely would love to hang out with us and misses us dearly. No, it's just so emotional. I want to be friends with John Rossing. I'm sure he'll never, he'll always be too big time for us. But <laughs> As we uh, before we get into it, it's a six pack as our usual format. We have the live dog of the week. We have blowout city power game of the week, mid major game of the week, the claw your eyes out game of the week, and then a spotlight in this specific episode. We're talking tournaments, the Maui, along with a few others. We'll get some quick hitters on. But first, money lines have been flying, fellas. Underdogs are barking with vicious attack on these favorites. Not the case in years past. This year, the pendulum has swung emphatically back in the dog direction. So this section, Kai, very aptly created by you and timely because money lines have been extremely valuable this year. I picked out a few of my personal favorites. We'll run through them real quick, get your thoughts on them, and, and feel free to sprinkle in a couple of your own. I'm going to start off with my three favorites, and they're all tipping off tonight, Wednesday night, if you listen to this on Wednesday morning. All the more incentive for you to listen to this BBOC podcast the second it drops in your feed. We're starting off with George Mason at Maryland. Kimmy English, the darling new coach, for the George Mason Patriots going into Maryland College Park. Man, this is a tough spot here for the Terps. Oh, you're calling it Maryland College. I was like, I don't think that's right. Maryland College. Well, honestly, <laughs> they're starting to play like Maryland College. I don't know if they deserve the U tag in front of them. The turtle has been a little bit dicey so far. Kai, what are you looking at here? To me, it's basically a team that's still undervalued. Peyton, you know, Mason under English, new cast of characters. Now, this looks like a pretty juicy underdog spot here. Money line opportunity. Kempom mm. has it up to 16. Mark Torvik has it closer to nine. So I'm not sure where the odds maker is going to settle in, but I think no matter where it falls, anything over eight to me feels like a pretty good money line bet for a Maryland team that's sort of in disarray right now. Yeah, I, I would wager it It gets closer to that Bart Torvik line of 8.8, nine-ish. Uh, yeah, George Mace can be legit, man. Haven't played a super tough slate yet, obviously, but they've pretty much boomtowned everybody they faced. Gaines is, is thriving in a bigger role. He transferred from Tennessee. Schwartz looks great. Transferred from Colorado. Oduro. Basically, everybody's playing well for George Mason. And Jim, our, our dude, Kim English, our former classmate at Mizzou, he's doing quite well at the helm right now. Yeah, he's he's living up to the hype and then some. Like you said, it's early and, and they haven't really had the true tests that you would want to see. But man, early returns are about as good as you can get. Maryland has had some dicey propositions already. Did not cover against Quinnipiac. Had a real scrap street fight with George Washington that they had to pull out late. 
Yeah, Matt, I this feels like the really popular 512 game in a March Madness tournament yeah. where it's like, oh man, yeah, everybody's on that money line. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. Like Middle Tennessee was a super popular yes. pick over Minnesota yep. a couple years back. And it's like, I, I think they even might have ended favored and they won. Just because it's popular does not make it incorrect. I am very much with you here. I hope that uh, we see a number in the double digits and, and hopefully I can snap that up. But yeah, money line too, I, I, I think. Mason certainly has some value. They can get Fats Russell a little flustered and they're just, they're kind of a little like Maryland in that they're very wingy, that there's yeah. a lot of switchable type wings and they're not that much worse than Maryland. So, yep, I'm with you. I kind of love the FU angle to Fats Russell. Like he has to go back and face his A-10 demons here. We saw UMass take care of Penn State and just wave the middle finger right in their face. I think there's a little bit like this A-10 versus Big Ten, little brother inferiority complex that the A-10 is going to just get up for this game while the Big Ten's just like, ah, whatever. It's another non-con game. So a motivating edge there for the Patriots. Moving right along, game number two of this Wednesday slate, looking at underdog special, a money line underdog special, Lipscomb at Dayton. The Flyers are doing not that completely collapsing right now. They have zero guard play. Their bigs should be better, but they're not really carrying the freight while the guards are sort of figuring themselves out, Kai. I, you know, Lipscomb is not exactly the Lipscomb we've seen in years past, but it's still a very good team. And I think they're improving. I mean, Kempom has us at 12. Bart Torek has it at seven to eight. So it should be a little bit lower potentially than that George Mason Maryland spot, but probably equates to like a plus 550. And I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm fading Dayton right now. It's that simple for me. Yeah, Dayton's 10-point win over UIC was something I kind of ignored. And maybe I shouldn't have, because the very next game they lost to UMass Lowell. That's something that just cannot happen. Clearly, this team needs more seasoning. They play almost exclusively underclassmen. It's one of the youngest teams in the country. And while there is a ton of talent there, Jim, I think they definitely need a couple more games under their belts. Having said that, I don't think Lipscomb's that good either. They're going to have a hard time scoring against Dayton. And I actually, Matt, lean towards sort of a, a Dayton bounce back here. Oh, get out of here. What? I, yeah, I I think Dayton's a mess and a half right now. They were down <laughs> at halftime to UIC. Looking at like box scores, Tumani Kamara took two shots against UMass Lowell. That is an indictment of yeah. how bad their guards are at getting the right players involved. It's weird that Amzil's playing like 15 minutes a game off the I don't bench. get that either. I don't, Very I don't, confusing. I don't understand. It's just way too much Kobe Elvis, way too much RJ Blakeney right now. They do not know who they are on offense. Like there's no identity there whatsoever. And Lipscomb is at least well coached enough to put them in tough spots where it's like, all right, we're going to make the guards beat us. We're going to have Kamara take two or three shots again or, or try to at least force that. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Dayton. They, they don't seem like they're on any sort of trajectory to succeed this year. Yeah, I kind of know who they are, Jim. You say you don't. I think they know who they are. It's a team led by a DePaul castaway. If you can't stick for DePaul and you sort of land in the lap of Dayton, that does not bode well. And that's kind of what this team is right now. So I'm shorting all of my Dayton stock. I didn't have very much to begin with. You're referring to Kobe Elvis. Kobe uh, Elvis. The, the, the DePaul guard who had an 85-0 rating at DePaul and has a 65-0 rating at Dayton. Like, maybe Makes sense. Just not good. Again, maybe he's just I, not good about it. He just sucks. I can't well, remember probably. if I said it on this particular show, but if his name was like John Plain Man, no one would think he was good. His, his name just has so much cool vibes to it that you're like, I want a guy named Kobe Elvis to be good, but he's not, unfortunately. He kind of has like that flair and pizzazz to his game that Javon Quinerly had before he was good. But now Quinerly is obviously the man for Alabama, but he has that kind of cachet where you can get caught up in the allure, but it, just not a good basketball player. 
Our third money line special, at least Matt's money line specials of the evening, Little Rock traveling out to the West Coast to face Loyola Marymount. For my money, Mr. McKeon, the most overrated team in college basketball right now. Oh, The Lions are being priced at a top 80 caliber team. They're top 80 right now in Ken Palm. We just saw them get exposed partially by Chattanooga. It's a very good Chattanooga team. So I think there's that's a function of how good Nuga is as well. But then they followed that up with a clunker against a D2 team. Um, I had to squeak by them. I don't even know the name of that school. In North Arizona, Arizona Christian. They, Thank you, Jim, our, our token D2 expert there. May not mean D2 school. Could be a D2. Who knows? Um, might this be NAIA. T- I'll get back to you on that. I hope it's NAIA because that makes this play a little bit stronger if it is. It's a team that's got talent. I just think they overachieved last season. And they're, like I said, they're priced in the clouds. And you get this Little Rock team who is the ultimate Ewing Theory squad losing Marquise Knoll, who's the most cancerous person to a locker room that I can remember. Uh, how he just completely ruined that Little Rock team last year. Completely add out to the coaching staff, the players. He's now on K-State. They've cleansed the tainted palate. And we saw them play really well against Southern Illinois first game. I like this Little Rock team. This is probably going to be a massive spread, like mid to high teens. Kempom has it at 18. Bart has it at 17 and, and a half. You could be like getting plus 1,200 money line value here. And I will be <laughs> dabbling a little bit of my hard-earned money in that respect. I don't know, man. LME's a tad overrated. I think they're going to find their way, though. There's no chance Little Rock's actually good. It's just Daryl Walker has a way of overachieving with teams that have no business overachieving. His teams like to scrap. Before last year's debacle, you know, they're consistently outperforming expectations. I just think LMU's on another plane than them. The one thing they have going for them is they're pretty big, Little Rock. They can kind of match up with LMU's size. So to your point, Matt, they might be a good dog in that sense. I don't bet on LMU turning the ball over 20 times like we did against that D2 team. If they do, that plays right into Little Rock's hands, Jim, because Little Rock forced 23 turnovers against Southern Illinois. They're a team that wants to get up and guard you and pressure you a little bit. Yeah. Okay. A couple things. First, Arizona Christian is an AIA confirmed. AI. So oh gosh. That was that was not a good struggle for LMU. Second, Kai, I actually think LMU's lack of size is part of their problem this year. They don't have a seven foot two monster patrolling the paint anymore. They're basically playing Eli Scott and Kelly Lopepe, two six six linebackers. Maybe Barkley line. Maybe Barkley. So I'm a little worried about them there, but I, I think LMU actually wins this game running away. Like I would probably lean towards betting LMU versus Little Rock oh, wow. at this point. Uh, I I just think Little Rock going east coast to west. I, I'm not sold on their backcourt. I think they have they still have major guard problems despite uh, the the departure of Noel. They don't really have like playmakers. They, they play through their bigs a lot. Yep, I'm not sure that's, that's going to work well against LMU. I do think LMU is overrated. So maybe I'm wrong leaning towards betting LMU here, but I just think they're, they're at some point they're going to play pretty well. I, I don't think they're just going to swirl around the drain and, and flush down the toilet at some as we go along. So I can't get behind this one, Matt. I'm sorry. Well, no, I appreciate you pouring some cold water on my likely excessively far-fetched the money line reach here. I'm not, there might not even be the money line even offered for a game that's 15 or greater for the spread, but that's where I'm looking. That's my three. There will, uh, be. There, there will be a money line for that. I think it's like think so? 40 and up they don't. 40 and up they don't? Okay. 30 Good. and up or something like that. There will be a money line for that game. Yeah. Well, there better be because I'll be on it. Uh, that's my three for Wednesday. Again, if you're listening on Wednesday... Uh, well done. You have time to to lock those in now or not if you want to listen to Kai or Jim, but that's that's not advised. They're listening I, on Thursday and they're like, wow, he went over three. What an idiot. <laughs> or if you're listening a day after, you can grade me and laugh at me or be impressed, depending on how those went. Uh, my fourth money line special, which does not tip till Friday, those of you who are just now wading into this podcast still have time to hop in. Um, Brown at Creighton. Ivy headed to Nebraska to face a young Jays team that is, I believe, boasting one of the lowest 
against the spread cover margins in college basketball. It's basically all freshmen and sophomores, extremely young, still trying to find their way. And we just saw Brown go into UNC Kai, Chapel Hill, and hang 90. Um, had the Tar Heels kind of shaking in their boots. Now, that is somewhat a byproduct of the Tar Heels and their own issues. That's a whole different conversation. Hubert Davis not exactly living up to the off-season billing, but I think Brown's going to be a live dog here. Uh, spread is 12, according to Ken Palm. Bart Torek has it at 11. So similar to that George Mason, Lipscomb, Little Rock range, probably it comes out to plus 500, plus 600, depending on what book you're looking at. They could be down their best player, but it didn't matter against UNC. So I think this Brown team's just good and they're sneaking up on people and they're catching our opponent and Creighton who is ripe for an upset. Yeah. And this one's not in Nebraska. It's in the Virgin Islands. This one's in St. Thomas. So neutral side for this game. And Brown might be really good, man. I, I agree with you. I was super impressed with their start um, without Cho, their best player. Obviously, nearly beat UNC. He might be back for this game. I don't know how long he's out. I'm not sure what his ailment is. Yeah. The report, the reports around it are not as thorough as we would appreciate. Yeah, not a lot of reporting in the in the Ivy for Brown. Unsurprisingly, they play a lot smart. of studying, a lot of studying, not a lot of reporting. Unfortunately, yes, so, they yeah. they play really smart. Obviously, they're an Ivy school. They play tough. Those are two things Creighton's just not right now. Um, like you mentioned, they're young, they're unproven, and they have a battle with Nebraska Tuesday night, the night we're recording this episode. They probably lost that game, Jim. <laughs> I'm looking into the future, sort of looking into the past year. Ooh, but crystal yeah. ball, look at you. I actually buy this one as a potential money line upset, Jim. Yes. Yeah, Thank I do you. too. I, so Brown, I, I wrote up our Ivy preview uh, on our Three Man Weave website. And Brown is like this weird anomaly in the Ivy where like they are big and they're defensive focused and they're athletic. Like they competed with North Carolina partially because they went nuts offensively too, but they have like the high major athletes. Like Jalen Ganey is a shot blocker, was the defensive player of the year in the Ivy last time they actually played. They've got big, strong, like 6'4", 200-pound guards. Uh, they are physical. And yeah, Kai, this is a really young Creighton team that is about to travel to the Virgin Islands. I, I think that might expose them a little bit. I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I think this one actually is something where, where I could get on board. Yeah, it's Mike Martin's DNA. Now, he's been there for over a decade now, but we've seen the last four years, guys like Desmond Cambridge, who's now a star at Nevada. He you know, he came through Brown. Uh, Brandon Anderson, a great point guard, comes to mind. So they've had a lot of these, like you're right, high major caliber athletes. A team does not, it does in no way looks like an Ivy team when they get off the bus. All right, I see a few others of your favorite Moneyline specialists here. Uh, Western Kentucky, Memphis. Um, who's who's taking this one, Jim? Is this you? I, I put that in the there. The tops, baby? Well, so Western Kentucky has been bad this year. Let's be, let's be very dance around it. Yeah. Right. They barely beat Alabama state. They went zero and two in their little, uh, neutral site event that they just had lost to, I believe, Minnesota and South Carolina, not impressive, but I like them as a dog. They've got athletes. They've got down transfers from Maryland, from DePaul that can play up and be good enough to compete with somebody like Memphis. If Memphis is not taking them seriously. Now, the problem here is you really need Keith Williams to get eligible. He's the Cincinnati transfer, should be the linchpin for this WKU team. They're waiting on his eligibility right now. Without him, they probably can't beat Memphis. But if they get like the late approval for him, added to the fact that they just got Cameron Justice an extra year and he played last game, I think there's a chance Western Kentucky shocks people as a feisty, feisty underdog against a Memphis team that is young and a little bit sloppy so far. Yeah, this is this is classic spot for Western Kentucky to actually compete and win. They play to their competition. That's been their MO under Rick Stansbury for years. Whether it's down to their worst team or up to the better team, that tends to be where Western Kentucky plays, which is why they're better as a dog versus a favorite. Yeah, Keith Williams is huge. I don't know why the NCAA is dragging their feet. I guess, Matt, I do know the reason because the NCAA is clueless and has no idea what they're doing. 
he's absolutely huge. He, he'll be their best player once he's eligible. If he is somehow eligible for this Friday game, I agree. Western Kentucky is a very, very uh, juicy dog play. All right, you ready for this? You ready for the stat, boys? I'm going to hit you with one. I like data. Last four seasons, Rick Stansberry at Western Kentucky, 27 and nine as an underdog, 75%. Holy shit. They are a machine as an underdog. That makes so much sense. Like they're fucking bored when they play bad teams. And then it's it's, like, oh, we're going to like them versus Memphis is like a peacocking contest and it's going to play out perfectly here. I like this. Right. So even if it's not money line, like I I think money line might be worth it, especially if Williams plays. But even if not, the spread, I mean, they're just monsters as, as underdogs. And it's one of those stats that confirms what we believe and backs up like eye test and right. perception. So I, I'm very much inclined to subscribe to it. And I think it matters. I love that. So that's a second Friday one, uh, along with Brown creating the three that we led with are all tipping off Wednesday. So let's keep on cruising through the outline here. Blowouts. Blowout city is section number two. We got through most of the buy games already. So there's not like a ton of eye-popping potential runaways that come up in the schedule the next week. I got one for you. Jim, start us off with, as you lay the case out so brilliantly, this is going to be, I think 50 is the lowest this margin ends up. Baylor is hosting Central Arkansas on Wednesday. As you are listening to this, hopefully you are hearing this before the game tips off. These two teams have played three times in the last four years. Baylor has won by 41, 44, and 37. And this is... Maybe not the best Baylor team. That was definitely last year, but this is the worst Central Arkansas team of those last five years. Mm-hmm. They are bad, bad. The spread's going to be huge, but I think Baylor, like Matt said, it wins by 40 to 50. I think this is just an absolute shellacking. Yeah, this is one of the worst Central Arkansas teams in, like you said, years, maybe even longer than five years. Could be 20 years. This will be an ass kicking. Baylor just ripped Nickel State, Matthew. Yeah. A new asshole. Uh, they a good State Nickel good. State team. Nickel State, State, actually, State, yeah. Very good. The Bears are here to stay. They could be a top five team again. I, I would not be surprised if they were top five this year again. But Central Arkansas, the Bears? The Which Bears? Bears, Bears. It nah, is a Bear versus Bear battle. It's a, it's a Bear battle. Uh, yep. I totally agree. Baylor's killing them. I'm getting something on this game. I don't care what the spread is. Kai, you are a Bear aficionado. I am. Which, which Bear is each school in this particular matchup? Which Bear is each school? I assume Baylor's like a Grizzly or a yeah. Polar Bear. Yeah, Baylor would be the polar bear. Uh, Central Arkansas is more like the uh, baby, wounded, panda, baby panda. A, wound, a wounded cub. Yeah, yeah, panda of sorts. Yeah, more like, like a, that. More like a bear cat, Jim. Like, it's very small bear. What, what we're saying is one bear will maul the other. Well, one bear. Yes. Yeah. The green bears are coming on top in this one. Oh, I don't. Phrasing. <laughs> Let that marinate, folks. Let that marinate. Okay, good. Now that that's set in, let's continue cruising. Our second potential blowout here, which makes a ton of sense, we just watched one of these teams, St. John's, put the hurt, and I mean it was a hurt, on Mississippi Valley State, though they are not alone. Many teams have done that to the Delta Devils over the last few seasons, but it's a team that's built to run away from bad teams. The Johnnies this Saturday are hosting Fairleigh Dickinson. Kai, we like FDU. We just don't like them this season. It's a young team. It feels like that Saturday morning at 10 a.m. when you go up to play your sixth grade, you're playing two years or a year up in competition, and this team comes out and presses you and you lose by 50, and you just can't wait to go get like a soda at 7-Eleven after the game, and you give up at halftime. Feels like a similar spot here for FDU. Yeah, or for some of us, Matthew, sixth graders who you're playing against sixth graders went through puberty. And you haven't yeah. yet. Yeah, I'm still working on it. <laughs> not still me, working on not it. me. No, this game is going to be uh, terrifying. You saw the Seton Hall game against FDU. Uh, FDU can't stop anyone if they tried. They're too young. They play too fast. Seton Hall scored 1.21 points per possession. That's a lot. 
That's a lot, a lot. And St. John's wants to go. Mike Anderson's going to have no problem blowing this team out. He will not step on the brakes, Jim. It's going to be a blowout. Johnny's, once again, I'm getting something on this game about the spread. Yeah, Kai, you said FDU can't stop anyone if they tried. And I'm not sure they are trying. No. That's the problem. Their, their defense has been terrible repeatedly. I think we brought up the Seton Hall game on our last week's episode for blowout of the week. And I made the Greg horrenda horrendous defense joke. And I'm going to keep it going because mm. Fairleigh Dickinson's defense is horrendous always. And yeah, St. John's has won two games by, I, I'm trying to do math here, 58. They beat Mississippi Valley State by, and then they beat St. Peter's, who's actually decent. Like a solid second best team in their conference, probably by 21. So I would be surprised if this one is not a 35 plus point blowout. Yeah, that was a loser for me. Thank you for reminding me, Jim. Cordially F you for that. But I think it's a valid point and one that supports our case here. In general, I'd like that looking ahead, you know, we're doing recording this on a Tuesday. It's so many games on a daily basis in college basketball. You sometimes lose like the obvious you know, no brainer plays. And so I think it's like good that you can right now circle this as when it comes up on Friday, the, the line drops. That's one you hop in on pounce. Yeah, um, maybe I don't just look at my number. Maybe I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah like it just kind of hits you in the face. And don't ignore that. If someone slaps you in the face like this matchup, Edge does, go ahead and take it. That's our very perceptive advice. Our third section of the outline we're talking big boys, heavyweight bouts, the power games, plural of the week, got a few we want to hit. There'll be some juicier matchups next week. So I would call this more of like a B list trio of games, but still some intriguing matchups. Nonetheless, the hall of uh, fame tip off scoffs at being called B list. Oh yeah. I forgot. We do have like legit, legit heavyweights coming over, up. For yeah, the that's over the, okay. it's over the weekend yeah. though. So it's, it's not We're reaching into the future. Okay. Yep. So yeah, for those of you who are tardy to listen to this podcast, this will be more current, but for those listening on Wednesday, you'll have to sit patiently. Let's start with Ohio state at Xavier Thursday is when this game is taking place. Battle for Ohio, two teams that were, you know, top 15, top 25 aspirations, depending on your preseason priors for each squad. A little bit of a lame situation with injuries. Um, Zach Fremantle for Xavier, Ohio State just is suing, among other minor dicks or dicks and dings and bruises. Did I say dicks and bruises? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> dings? Are you looking that for is, dings? That is a tough Freudian slip for me there. I'll just keep on powering <laughs> through it. Actually, that didn't really, didn't really happen, but here we are. Um, it's going to be a tough situation for the the Buckeyes going into the Centos Center, Kai. And I need a very well-thought and eloquent take as you continue to hold in the laughter of me saying dicks on this podcast. Uh, Ohio State seems back after that Bowling Green blowout. Obviously, Bowling Green was missing one of their best players, Cade Matheny. But Ohio State was missing Justice Suing. Kyle Young is back. That's a huge boost, Jim. I guess his inner ear issue is at least manageable currently. I always think of uh, Arrested Development with the, the yes. vertigo fainting. Yes. Lucille 2. Lucille 2. <laughs> Uh, it's especially big because Xavier's still without Zach Fremantle, uh, their second best player behind Paul Scruggs. I am hesitating to back Xavier until Fremantle's back in the lineup. So it's an automatic lean towards Ohio State. The only one angle I can think of for Xavier, Jim, is it's at Xavier. Xavier's home court is good. Their fans are passionate. And it's Ohio State. It's an in-state rival that they're yeah, playing. Travis Steele always seems to win like one or two yes. games that really encourage the fan base and make the, th maybe he's turning the corner. Usually it's the Cincinnati game, but this is another big rivalry game that will certainly please boosters and please fans. If he's able to pull it out, but I'm with you, man, without Fremantle, this team's been bad. They, they pulled out a cover against Kent state, but it was not deserved. I think they were losing at halftime. It got dicey late and I'm, I'm kind of getting closer, Matt, to the EJ Liddell Naismith watch. He was a monster in the first two games, a little bit quieter in the Bowling Green blowout, but 
I think he could average like 23 a game in the Big Ten. He's clearly added a three-point stroke to his arsenal. He's a legitimate like near 40% shooter from deep. I think this is a continued coming out party for him. I would I would definitely lean towards Ohio State. Yeah, it almost helps that his team is somewhat the walking wounded right now. He's really he is the bell cow of that squad, and and they're they're going they're going to go as far as he takes them. And I think in this matchup, he's got a pretty juicy one to dominate. So I I would lean the Buckeyes there. Another one, Jim, that you'll be in person. This is Friday in the desert, Las Vegas, Arizona versus Wichita State. The former of which I love, the latter of which I am starting to short some stock in. I like the Wildcats a lot, point blank. I don't have like a great nuance matchup angle here. I just think they're the better team. And Wichita is sort of hanging by a thread, living off Tyson Etienne's heroics, uh, who also hasn't really been that great, by the way. So a lot of things to sort of sour about Wichita. Yeah, Etienne's struggling with illness, correct? Get some, yeah, some non-COVID illness thing, yeah. This is similar to Western Kentucky, in my opinion. Wichita State is much better as a dog. Yeah, that's a good um, So you've seen them against Jacksonville State. Uh, South Alabama so far haven't covered either game, haven't looked particularly good. They're big favorites in both. They're off to a rocky start, but they're much better as a dog. This is going to be a fairly large spread, I think. I wouldn't be shocked, Jim. Ha, huh, nice shockers. If they kept this game close. Well, Kai, I'm I'm looking at the Ken Palm projection is three. So wow, that well, is too okay. low. <laughs> I will be on Arizona if it is three. Yeah, I mean, I will too. I, I just think Arizona is like a top. 20-ish team and, and Wichita is more like 60th-ish kind of where they finished last year, especially if ETN can't get right. Matt, the one I'm kind of more intrigued by is let's take the assumption that Arizona wins. They would play Michigan, assuming Michigan beats UNLV on a Sunday night headliner, Arizona, Michigan. Any quick thoughts on that one? If we if we get it, this could sound stupid in the future, but I, I think we're going to get that one. Man, Michigan is just a team I'm not looking to get in the way of right now, but I would lean the foreign felines, as I call Arizona, a team that's basically a bunch of non-US dudes. I just like this Arizona makeup. Kirk has set the point guard. Looks like he has that settled. The bigs are awesome. We love Tommy Lloyd. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. I would lean the cats there. Let's get to some Air Force Reserve Hall of Fame tip-off Saturday, Sunday. Villanova versus Tennessee, Purdue versus North Carolina. The Tar Heels do not belong in this class of teams, Kai, uh, based on how they've played Ouch. so far. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a it, that shot deserves to be fired. I'm sorry. I don't know how you can you can't skin that cat any other differently. I'm sorry. You can't get away from Loyola, Maryland at home. You can't get away from Brown. Um, Hebert Davis, it could be exposed against Purdue here. What say you? Yeah, and Purdue looks pretty unstoppable. I know we've only seen them against Bellarmine and Indiana State as of the recording of this podcast, uh, but they look good. And they have so much size to battle UNC. And that's kind of UNC's advantage over most teams. They have size. They have Baycott, Garcia, Manic, a very, very intimidating front line, one of the best in the country. It's not going to be as effective against Williams and Edie of Purdue. Um, so I think it's a major advantage for Purdue. Purdue has solid guards. UNC maybe has better guards, Jim. They're going to be relying on them a whole lot in this game. Caleb Love has not been terrible this year. He has a 128 What? RJ Davis is playing great. So UNC's guard is going to be on full display in this game. Uh, We'll see what the spread is. Ken Palm suggests it's eight. That feels pretty high for a neutral. I'd probably lean towards the Tar Heels. That does feel high for that matchup. Kai, you need to answer for Dawson Garcia. Fifth on the team. Fifth on the team in usage. Came off the bench in one of the games. He's he's their third big right now. Like kind of indisputably their third best big. What's happening? He, He started the second game though, Jim. I think he's going to get more minutes. All right. Brady Manick has been like their highest used go-to guy at this point. It is kind of bizarre. 
Yeah, that is bizarre, Jim. Hey, it's a weird playing, team. It's great. a weird team right now. I don't quite understand that team. The defensively, they have real major issues. So until I shore up that side of the ball, I'm not. UNC will be having none of my money. That's where I'm at with them. Which team is more likely to prevent the Villanova Purdue meeting? Do you think Tennessee pulling the upset? Do you think North Carolina pulling the upset? Tennessee. I think I'm tell, with Tennessee. Tell, tell me why. Tell me. I'm why. not going to tell you why. No, I'm okay. I, okay. I just Keep think the secrets. Vols. The Vols are more bulletproof to me. They have less holes. So I'm 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 looking at Tennessee here. I, I know they're. It's not the same Tennessee as we saw last year. They actually have some creation, some dynamic shot making at the point of attack, a little more balanced. Chandler's been awesome. Chandler's been awesome. And uh, Fulkerson is getting healthier. Um, I, I know he's not at 100% most likely, but he's a key piece up front. And they have just a bunch of men on the wing that I think are great neutralizers. So I, I'm looking at Tennessee to potentially win this little foursome pot here. Wow. It, wow. Wow. Rocky it, it, top. You'll always go ahead. In Kamahua. Which I'm sure I'm butchering his name. I think it's he's Kamwa, I believe. Kam, he's come out of nowhere. Who is year. he? Who is he? <laughs> he's starting for them. He's looking really good. So yeah, Tennessee's awesome. Uh, JJJ is great. Like they're a complete package. This game versus Villanova is going to be awesome because we very, very, very much like the Cats. They should have beaten UCLA. They lost in overtime. This is like the best matchup of the week, I think. Pop quiz: Where is Kamwa from? Nationality: no St. Louis, Missouri, Finland. Huh. He's Finnish. As shocking a, to me. A Nordic man of sorts. Interesting. Yep. Good fun fact, Jim. I appreciate that. No matter what, we are getting four good games. I don't care who wins, who be two. We're getting four awesome games from this little tip off. Cannot mm-hmm. wait for it. I'm going to be tuned in on Saturday and Sunday. It's great that I can name like 10 players in Tennessee, but I can't name their best players so far this year. So that's, that's tough. Fourth section, the mid-major special of the week, sort of an undercard for many who may not be tracking. Not a ton of great ones here. I want to highlight too, Oakland hosting Toledo. This is Wednesday evening jim the creator of toledo faders anonymous uh i'm starting to see enrollment skyrocket again they look really good yet again i have not faded them myself yet so i, I haven't fallen back into uh, any sort of relapse or Didn't addictive you? patterns again i did I not you, i thought you took detroit no that's right i did take detroit and they should have yeah. covered that game you're right so i i have i'm kind of in the corner still abusing the substances i haven't enrolled <laughs> though i haven't taken accountability for my actions again if i do Take Oakland here and Toledo wins this game outright or covers. I will be enrolling officially next week. What do you see in this matchup? I will probably be on Toledo. I, Ken Palm has this as Toledo minus one. Healthy. I just That's very I healthy. Toledo's better. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to learn from my past mistakes, Matt. That's, yeah, that's part like of the me. process of I'm growing. Like uh, for the listeners that are not familiar with it, we we bet against Toledo a lot last year, early in the season, and they were a juggernaut. I believe they started like 10 and one against the spread. So we formed our little Toledo Faders Anonymous support group. I'm going the other way this year. I'm going to try to be Toledo backer loudly rather than anonymous. Toledo I'm, public backer. That's what I am. <laughs> I'm kind of done doubting Oakland after they covered against West Virginia at beat Oklahoma State. That was impressive. Seems like Grape Campy has finally figured out the zone. However, Matt, Toledo can shoot the shit out of the ball. They're a very, very tough team to zone. If any team can shoot Oakland out of this zone, it is Toledo. So advantage Rockets in that sense. Yeah, there's regression coming for Oakland too. Opponents have made 18% of their threes through two games and just 53% of their free throws. Like that ain't sticking around, especially against a good shooting team like Toledo. Yeah, I think the over actually has some value here. Jamal Cain could have 30-40. I don't really see a good matchup for Toledo on that side of the ball. So he's a stud, former Marquette transfer. Greg Campy calls him their Batman. So he's given like, yep, you're awesome. And this offense is yours. So him and Jalen Moore, one of the best one-two punches in all of mid-majordom. Second mid-major we want to highlight here, 
St. Peter's at Wagner, kind of a New York Big Apple showdown here. Wagner has been a, a mini wrecking ball so far this season. NEC. I, yeah. Major like, wrecking ball. I'm probably understating that. NEC favorites preseason with Bryant, 1A, 1B, depending on how you rank those teams in the NEC. And then St. Peter's at the top of the MAC totem pole as well. I kind of like Wagner. Jim, what are you looking at here? Well, it's interesting. Both these teams have played at VCU. It's weird to have a common opponent this early in the season. Well, transitive property like this. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's flawless. It never fails. Transitive property is perfect. Uh, St. Peter's got down big early, but ended up coming back, only losing by three to VCU. Whereas Wagner just controlled that game, like totally controlled them on the road, won that game by, I believe, double digits. And Wagner isn't even making shots yet this year. They're shooting 29% from deep and they've still been excellent. Uh, this is going to be a rock fight, though. Both teams are slow. St. Peter's much, much better defensively than they are on offense. This could kind of double as our next category, Matt. Maybe we use this as a little transition to the claw your eyes out game of the week. We, we should point out St. Peter's is in New Jersey for the listeners at home. Matt, you said it was New York battle, but we know it's where Jersey it's City. Metro, it's metro right across. Yeah, yeah, you can throw a stone and hit it. You don't know. Kai, get your New York geography up. Wagner's on Staten Island. I just think you're... you're it's a borough, kind of. Yeah, it's a borough. No, it's, it's literally one of the five. It literally is a borough. Sorry, not kind of. It is a borough. Yes, but New York's, it, that's misleading. Anyways, uh, Wagner's legit. I think they're better than Bryant. So I think they are the NEC favorites. Jim's right. Rock fight. I'm probably going to bet on Wagner in this game. Uh, for the record, I am Wagner's biggest fan this year as a holder mm-hmm. of a rather sizable 50 to 1 to win the NEC ticket. So that, I have a feeling that's going to come up more than once on the pod this year. Go Wagner Seahawks. Hey, you and me both, brother. We're rooting for the same horse. <laughs> I have a theory. The books just like fat fingered the odds on Wagner. Like they didn't actually mean to make it. Was it plus uh, what? what's the price you guys are holding? 50 to 1. 50 to one for the conference favorite. I think they just meant to put five to one and accidentally hit the extra zero. Well, That's my here's, theory on that. Here's what I think happened because their four best players are super seniors and they were all going to be gone and they were not included in initial projections for this ah. year. I think Bart Torvik's site did not have the super seniors and they use that. And then suddenly you add their four best players, including two first team all conference guys and a player of the year caliber player and they vault up and they never adjusted the price. So let's go Wagner. You guys need to tip Bart when that ticket eventually cashes. Wood yeah. knock just happened. Good, so you're fine, kind of no jinx. Good. A quick call your eyes out game of the week. We don't like to spend too much time in this section because it's not fun to talk about. Obviously, not fun to watch, but there are betting opportunities for these basically throwaway type games. IUPUI at UTSA. This is Wednesday. Again, a lot of Wednesday content here. More incentive for you guys to listen the second this thing drops. I don't know why this tournament exists, but UTSA is hosting like this mini. MTE pod of four atrocious basketball teams. And so this will be, I believe, the third game in three days for both squads. Uh, The Roadrunners are hosting the Jaguars. Both teams, Kai, first year under new regimes. It is the ultimate rebuild from the ground up. It's bad versus worse. I don't know who's the worst. I think UTSA actually might be the worst team. No, I don't think so. But too far. It is gross. It's very worthy of claw your eyes out game of the week, which is a very clunky title. That's my mistake. Um, still yeah. workshopping, still workshopping. UTSA is being inflated currently in markets from the last couple of years when they had Jackson and Wallace, Wallace. two of the best scorers in the country for four years. So they're not nearly that caliber of team anymore. They lost to Texas A&M Commerce the other day, a team that will be D1, but isn't quite yet. They're D2. So yeah, this game's going to be gross. Who knows what the spread's going to be? I'm sure UTSA is going to be favored by like 10, maybe 11. And even though I hate IUPUI, Jim, it's really tempting to bet on them. Yeah, IUPUI is cheeks, man. This team <laughs> stinks out loud. Uh, they lost by 16 to Denver in this exact event on Monday. 
it's brutal. I, I I'm with you though, Kai. That 11 is way too high because I think UTSA is down there in the dumps with them. UTSA shouldn't be favored by double digits over almost anyone. So yeah, this would be a cover your eyes, don't watch, and potentially back a bad, bad, bad basketball team in IUPUI. A hold your nose bet on the yep. cheeks. Yep. I'll probably bet the under. It's weird. IUPUI's coach said he wanted to run this season, but like every coach freaking says that it's like a talking point that it's almost well, like it's a he, mandatory point to read. I wonder and if he, he said it before he looked at his roster and just saw, well, oh, I have no good players. Well, I think he said it to Blue Ribbon, which was what, in September or something? So like That's he had at true. least a month of practice. I don't know if he just like had the epiphany too late, but yeah, two bad teams in ETSA, their total price, if you will, might be inflated by, as Kai mentioned, the Jackson Wallace effect. I'll probably look at the under in that one, as you always should in a claw your eyes out game. Our final section of our six pack, we're going to talk about some tournaments, real quick hitters, four big ones coming up. Obviously the Maui is the headliner. We're going to start with there and then pick out a few opening round matchup angles for the other three, the Charleston Classic, the Myrtle Beach Invitational in the Virgin Islands. I want want everyone picking a winner of these fields as well. I have a winner in the Charleston Myrtle and Virgin Island opening round. Kai, I want you to tee those up while I let Jim kick us off with the Maui context because we're all excited to have Maui back, but two things that will make this a little bit less aesthetically pleasing as we hoped. One, it's not in Maui, which fucking pisses me off because I'm literally going to Maui and there will be no tournament there. <laughs> and then, I hope you go to the Lahaina Civic Center and just sit there. Sadly. I'm going to sit there. Like I'll probably take all these stupid videos of me dunking on the... I can't really dunk, by the way. You but can't I'll, I'll, ever I'll, dunk. I'll, I'll, I'll get a little ladder up there and kind of hold, my, hold myself and hang on the rim and whatever. I don't know. That's so stupid. And secondly, Jim... All these teams are slow-paced, boring, old-school, drag-out type teams, aren't they? Yeah, it's painful. Uh, their pace rankings right now at Ken Palm, as we record this, 303rd, 321st, 332, 340, 341, 343, 353. Like, it is going to be half-court brawl-style ball. It is a disappointment in that regard, but at least there are some solid teams here. We've got Oregon. We've got Houston. Get me that championship game and I'll be happy. Uh, Notre Dame and St. Mary's also pretty feisty. Kind of a bummer that they're playing in the opening round because I think they should both be in the semifinal side. Apologies to Wisconsin and Texas A&M, but you are both consolation squads at this stage. Uh, yeah, Matt, it's, it's just going to be gross. I don't know if I want to fully recommend unders just because I think everyone knows these teams are slow. Everyone yeah, knows it's going right. to be inefficient. So it's probably It'll be priced in. Yeah. And we don't have the Civic Center rims to carry us to any overs. So unfortunately, not a lot of a severe angle there unless you really want to just go for it. Neutral site, especially on like the second and third day. Maybe that's when you go for the unders when teams are tired. Yeah, I think the Maui overs have been a thing. I'm trying to run the numbers real quick here on the fly. But you're right. Everything sets up for the for it to swing the other way. Kai, any opening round locks for this, the Maui? I think Oregon uh, beats Chaminade. Yeah, it's hard to say without without spreads. I I would take Houston at almost any number over Butler, um, especially if Aaron Thompson is still on the pine because that team is terrible. You talk about IUPUI. Butler was in a dogfight with IUPUI in the first game of the season. They could be super bad without Aaron Thompson on the floor. Uh, It's going to be Houston, Oregon in the championship. I think Oregon's going to win it. I think St. Mary's is my dark horse, but I think Oregon's probably the right pick. I'm not sure there'll be like future odds for this. I don't believe there usually well, there is. Are. There, there, there are. are. I, I okay. Yep. We, we've talked about it on this show before, in fact. You I, silly goose. Did, did, I, did I, just, I probably blacked out. <laughs> anyway, I think St. Mary's has good value. I think Oregon's probably the right favorite, but I would take St. Mary's as a little bit of a sneaky dark horse. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm picking Oregon. I'm with you, Kai. Chalky for Kai and Jim, a little bit cute for Matt. All good value, though, so good for us. Let's get to the other three turns real quick here. Charleston Classic, eight interesting teams, none that really like stick out. 
The one match I want to highlight a personal early round edge for me is Boise against St. Bonaventure. Seen the Bonnies play twice now. This team is a little bit of a hangover is, is still lingering. Um, they've had some slow starts. Oshuno Shuni, their interior fulcrum is a little bit dicey. They've had some good play from their backup in Kawababe, but it's just not the same team. I'm and sorry. Boise, what did you call their backup? Kawababe. Kawabali? Kulabali. I thought it was a B. I thought it's B A B Y at the end. Kulabali. Nope. All right. Well, tell the, the prompter's wrong. So <laughs> I blame you for, for messing up that script. The Ashun backup, whose name I will not pronounce again, has been pretty solid, but it's still not the same Bonnie team we saw last year. They've lost the Mojo Kai. I'm taking the Bucks in this game, the Buck and Bronx of Boise. Mm. Okay. Yeah. We'll see what the spread is. Uh, I think Clemson might win the tournament. <laughs> I, I think wow. they're just like. Yeah, I mean, they're not pretty, but Brownell just kind of is wins with this team. The defense is just always awesome. I'm interested to see Marquette after that Illinois win. Is it the start of something great? It is a winnable tournament. Like, this field's wide open, I think. I think any of these teams can win. Um, Matt, Bonnie's are probably the favorite. I'm not convinced on West Virginia quite yet. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and get cute, as you like to say, and take Clemson. Nice. Glad you're getting cute because I'm staying chalky. I think St. Bonaventure has been uninterested in playing a couple of not great Mac schools and they will turn it on a little bit here. And especially if Shun is back, I think he's hopeful to play Thursday is yep. the last report I saw. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Bonnies. If Shun is out, I'll go with Ole Miss. How about that guy? I don't believe the, it. The fighting Kermit's ribbit ribbit. I like it, Jim. Always like Kermit. Let's hit a few others. The Myrtle beach invitational. I have no profound takes here. Kai, what sticks out in this first round for some, uh, for sure, Davidson versus New Mexico State. It's an awesome matchup between two mid-majors, two completely different teams uh, in terms of style. Like one's super physical, Mexico State. One's more finesse, in my eyes at least, with Bob McKillop's offense. So that's going to be great to watch. Oklahoma's been great so far. They've kind of killed everyone they've played. Uh, we'll see if they can dominate this tournament. They should be the favorites. Um, and then Utah State, Jim, a team that after watching them against Richmond, I am coming around on them. I think they're going to kill Penn. Penn's defense is a sieve right now. That will be a, a matchup I'll be looking to fade the Quakers in the opening round. Yeah, the, the I'm calling Utah State again, UMBC West. That's what we're mm-hmm. going with. With yeah. their coach and, and two of their four best players are UMBC guys. I'm, I'm with you. I, Penn's struggling defensively right now. And Utah State's offense... UMBC West's offense looked sharp against Richmond. Like a lot of really good cutting, some shooting around the perimeter. Their big guys can space the floor. Justin Bean, Matt's boy, you know, had a career high in that one. So yeah, that's that's the first round matchup that I'm I'm looking at. Also, I think Old Dominion will probably crush Indiana State, who is mega shorthanded and figuring out a new up-tempo style right now. I agree. I, Jim, the point on Penn I want to underscore is the teams, the Ivies that have set out last year, I think we saw the rust impact defense almost more than offense. Like I think anecdotally people think it's going to hurt offense more than defense, but I, I think it's actually the other way. Yeah. And we've seen Penn really struggle to guard people. Uh, Harvard, same, same boat as well. I have no profound opening round locks there. However, the Virgin Islands paradise jam, which concludes our tournament spotlight section. I'm looking at the Bradley Braves who are playing Colorado state Stop team. It. Everyone likes, and I'm sorry, I will die on this Bradley Hill. They have not looked good so far. You will die on this hill. I, yes, I may have already, I've, I have I've already been, ship. I'm already dead. I may have already been pronounced dead, but I am looking for reincarnation. Their best player, Deshaun Henry, did not play last game. Does that mean you should lose to Howard at home? No, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, excuse that. Lose does. is, is the most generous term you could have used. There. Lost they by 12. Murdered by Howard. Jim, all the more reason why you're going to be getting inflated value in this price. I would hope this spread opens. Kempom has it at 12. I hope it's even higher than that. 
I just think Bradley is going to take a little bit of time. So maybe I'm jumping the gun here, Kai, but the Braves have length. They're built to defend. And I, they caught a South Dakota State team the opening night that I think is a mini juggernaut in the making right now. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll look back at that loss and forgive it. We'll look back at the Howard loss later and be like, eh, it was an outlier without Henry. And we'll be talking about Bradley as an upper half Missouri Valley team by the end of the year. Although no. I guess that's not really saying much at this point, given how bad no. the Valley has been. I think you're drunk. I, <laughs> no, I, you're wrong. <laughs> I, for this Bradley roster is terrible. They're not good. They're a bottom half. It's bad. Missouri Valley team. They're going to get killed by Colorado State, who is firing on all cylinders. Um, I will be on the Rams in that game. And it's going to be a Centennial State Championship. That's Colorado for all you good home. Colorado State wow. versus Colorado. The Buffs might win the tournament, but I'm taking the Rams. Smallest of small dark horse play on Northeastern if Joe Pridgen is back in the lineup. But no, even he's that is officially still... ineligible for this for season. Oh, is he? And no. Scott Grayson? Scott Grayson in a sling. Grayson should be back, I think, soon. Uh, then scratch that. No Northeastern, just Colorado and Colorado State. <laughs> Talk, talked him off the ledge real quick there, folks. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt, I'm unfortunately with Kai. I watched that Howard game. Bradley has no talent offensively. It, it is dark. And I know Henry didn't play, but Tavaninen is also out. They're, they're key shooter. I think they need him for spacing. Uh, they're, they're in trouble. Colorado State's the best team in this field if they're healthy. They've got a little bit of banged up injury issues. Kendall Moore and David Roddy dealing with things, but I think Colorado State will win, assuming those guys play. I have nothing further to add. That concludes our episode, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you tuned in on Wednesday. You got more of the timely takes with our early money money line specials. Uh, and if you didn't, make sure next week to tune in sooner. We'll have plenty of Turkey Week action, a hefty, hefty slate awaits us. Please rate and review our show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the relevant platforms. We will see you next time on the Big Bets on Campus podcast.